Joshua 5, 1 through 12. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. What an interesting passage that we get to preach today. This is one of the reasons why, I, you know, I always say I have this love-hate relationship with preaching through books of the Bible. Because when you preach through books of the Bible, I love it because you've got to preach what's there. I also hate it because you've got to preach through that, what's there, right? And it, it's just, this is one of those topics, like, ah, just skip over that. It's about circumcision. And so, obviously, this is about circumcision. The Bible uh, in the Old Testament has a lot to do with circumcision. And so, we're going to preach about it today. We'll probably have a little fun with it because, I mean, man, it's a, sort of a, a weird topic to preach about, right? Right? But it's there for a reason, and I hope you learn so, so much about why it's there and what the spiritual significance of it is. It's a sign. And so, you know, signs play such a huge role in our life. Did you know that we see uh, roughly 15,000 signs or images every day goes through our mind? Signs play a huge role in our lives. I mean, now some of them manipulate us, right? I mean, some of those signs, they manipulate us. You're driving down the road, you see that big cheeseburger, you know, dripping with that fat. It's big and it makes you, you know, it makes you desire that cheeseburger. It makes you feel like there's life there, right? It, it sort of manipulates you and that's not too good. So some signs manipulate you, but some signs, they're very helpful. Uh, they're very helpful and they're essential actually. I mean, how many of you have, have gotten lost, uh, taking a wrong turn because you missed the signs on the road. How many of you men have wasted hours on Christmas Eve because you neglected the signs and the images on the instructions, right? Directions about how to put this thing together. I'll do it myself, right? And so uh, signs play a huge role in our life. Visual signs play a huge role in our life. But what's even more important than visual signs are spiritual signs in helping us navigate this crazy world and get where we need to be. That's what Joshua chapter five is all about. 
right? There are two signs here uh, that we're going to talk about. And so in order to talk about them, let's, let's recap how we got where we are in Joshua. The book of Joshua is a historical book of the Bible. It's in a section of literature, of, of historical literature, and it tells us how they took the promised land, all right? And so remember when God brought them out of Egypt, they should have made a beeline directly to the promised land. But because of their distrust of the Lord, because of their disobedience, God calls them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until an entire generation died off so that he could do something through the next generation, right? And so now after kicking rocks in the hard desert, for 40 years, they finally come to the banks of the Jordan just across from the land of promise. Uh, I mean, man, it's been a long, hard 40 years. That generation's died off. They can see the promised land. They can smell the promised land. And it's time to take the promised land. But it's not going to be easy. Right? I mean, they've got to fight these squatters. They've had squatters that have uh, parked on their land, and they've got to kick them out. They've got to evict them, right? And so, so uh, but these squatters are fierce Canaanite warriors. That's not going to be easy. They've got, they live in well-fortified cities that are with tall walls. That's not going to be easy. I mean, and they also, in the midst of this, got to uh, make sure that they don't become like the pagans. They've got to do a little battle with inside, make sure they don't become like the, the world in which they're, they're going. And so uh, all this is going to be difficult hard, but before they can do any of this, they've got to get across this raging river that's at flood stage called the Jordan. It was at flood stage. It was in springtime. It was the harvest time, and the, the snow would melt off the top of Mount Hermon. It would flow down uh, to the Dead Sea, and in the plains, it would flood, and making the river uh, about a mile wide and very deep, and as it flooded, it would, it would go and cover all of the vegetation and the thickets, and it would make making it almost very, very, very difficult, if not impossible, for a trained SEAL team to get across, let alone two million Israelites with men, women, and children and all their, their possessions, livestock, and all that kind of stuff. It would have been very difficult to get across, if not impossible, really. To be honest, it would have really been impossible for two million people and all their possessions to get across. So God tells Joshua, we talked about this last week, to tell the priest to put the, the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, step into the water, and as soon as they stepped into the water, God stopped the flow of the river. He shut off the spigot. It, it, it quit flowing upstream, and not only did the water quit flowing, but the ground beneath was bone dry, allowing all two, uh, allowing all two million uh, approximately Israelites to cross over to the other side of the Jordan. When they got to the other side, the water began to flow again. Man, can you imagine? This was a miracle reminiscent of what happened at the Red Sea. I mean, God parted the Red Sea. God's now parted the Jordan. And I mean, they are fired up. This is a spiritual mountaintop experience. Some of you have had those. They are fired up. They're ready to go. Strategically, this was the time to go into battle. Because not only are they full of confidence, not only are they fired up and full of confidence, but they know that their opponent, they know that the, 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 the Jerichoites, the, the Canaanites, the people that live in Jericho, we've heard reports, the intel, the recon says that, that they are shaking in their boots, that they are scared to death. They know their days are numbered, they're dead men walking. 
Uh, they know because they've heard about what God did for us, how God brought us out of Egypt, how God led us across the Red Sea, how God's destroyed our enemies. And you know, they've had spies, they've been watching us and they thought, man, we know they're coming, but right now they can't get across the river. So we've got a little time, but they watched as God parted the sea. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the Jordan River and let, allowing them to walk through. And now there's no barrier between them and Jericho and they are quaking, they are scared. And it says literally that they lost their will to fight. Their spirit was gone. Strategically, this is the time to charge into battle with your hair on fire, right? I mean, your enemy knows they're defeated. No matter what sport you're playing, when your enemy, when you've got your enemy down and they know they're defeated, that's when you step on their neck, right? I mean, you don't let off the gas. You put the pedal to the metal, right? And so, so that's what you do. And so it's time to go into battle with your hair on fire. And they know that. But God said, hold on a minute. Hold on, pause. Pause. I want you to stop because I want to do something in you before I do something through you. I want to get your heart right before your, 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 your battle, you go into battle. And so I want you to stop and I want you to pause and I want you to renew and remember because this is a spiritual battle. It's not just a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. What's more important than this physical battle because I've given you the land, you gotta take it, but your heart needs to be right. So I want you to renew and remember the covenant I made with you by observing two signs, circumcision and Passover. And so let's talk about uh, those two signs for a moment. The first sign is uh, he wanted them to renew the covenant by uh, celebrating something that had been uh, uh, neglected in the wilderness for 40 years, circumcision. The Bible talks a lot about circumcision, right? In the Old Testament, it's a huge deal. When Kyle was reading the passage today, you would see in one verse, it would be mentioned three times. I mean, here, three times there, circumcision, uncircumcised. When he comes to circumcision, it's a huge deal about circumcision. What's the big deal about it? Well, circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. You remember back in Genesis, God uh, made a covenant with a man named Abram at that time. His name was Abram, it would become Abraham. God made this covenant with Abraham and uh, that he would bless him and make him the father of many nations. And the sign of that covenant was circumcision. And so everybody in Abraham's household was circumcised as a sign to help them remember that covenant. Now, it was a sign of grace. It was a sign of grace because Abraham was not chosen by God because he was knocking it out of the park spiritually. Some of you here today watching online or in this room need to really hear this because you're thinking, uh, man, God, there's no way God will accept me. God loves me. Uh, man, all I've done, uh, I, I'm not good enough. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not smart enough. I hadn't been to church enough, yada, yada, yada. You, you, you say, man, I, it, it depends. Listen, the, Abraham lets us know this is a sign of grace. Abraham wasn't chosen by God because he was knocking it out of the park spiritually. What you need to know is Abraham couldn't even spell God. Okay, he, he was a, a Mesopotamian idol worshiper. He wasn't worshiping God, he was worshiping false gods, okay? And so, so he wasn't knocking it out of the park spiritually. Abraham uh, wasn't even looking for God, he was found by God. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So it was, a, it was a covenant of grace. It wasn't because of what Abraham did. It's the same with Israel. God didn't choose Israel to be his because they were the largest nation. And man, I, I tell you, this is a large, powerful nation. I wanna choose them to be on my, no, they were nothing. He created them. He didn't choose them because they were the most powerful. They were weak compared to other nations. Israel wasn't God's by their choice. They were God's by his choice. It was all grace. So this sign 
was a, uh, uh, this the circumcision was a sign that helped them to remember a covenant of grace with Abraham that God initiated, that God ratified, and that said, it's all God, right? Now you're thinking, okay, uh, why circumcision really? Well, I mean, you know, God could have used anything as a sign of the covenant, right? Uh, I mean, uh, why, why circumcision? I mean, he made a covenant with Noah, Do you remember after God flooded the earth, it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights and it flooded the entire earth. And I really believe that happened. And and he he flooded the entire earth. And then when when the the ship, the ark came down and uh, he gave Noah a a promise, made a promise promise to Noah that he would never again destroy the world by flood. And, And he made this promise, he made this covenant and he set a bow in the sky called the rainbow that's been hijacked by the way, but it needs to be taken back because it's a sign of God's faithfulness okay that's what it's a sign of God's faithfulness God's promise and God will never make break a promise and so when you see a rainbow in the sky today you can remember God made a promise and God's faithful God always keeps his promise the rainbow is the sign of the covenant so why not a mountain as a sign of God's covenant with Abraham why not the sun look at the sun why not the moon why not the star why circumcision it's an important question and it's got I think a great answer because remember when God made this promise to Abraham I'll make you the father of many nations. I'll bless you and I'll make you the father of many nations. Now, here's the problem with that promise. Abraham and Sarah were barren. They had no biological kids. They were barren, okay? Now, here's what amps up the problem, right? Turns the heat up a little bit on it. Abram Abram was 99 and Sarah was 90, (laughs) okay? So you've got a barren couple in their 90s, no children, and they're barren. She is uh, postmenopausal. Uh, they hadn't made, you know, pills to help with this kind of thing yet for the dudes. I mean, this is the problem, right? And, and so you're, the, the clock has, on their game has hit zero, so to speak. It's impossible with man, but nothing is impossible with God. So what did God do? God caused a, a, a post-menopausal woman, he opened her womb, she conceived from her 99-year-old husband, she conceived, gave birth to a son whose name becomes Isaac and he's the child of promise. Here's one great lesson that you can learn. Grandmas, uh, you better be careful. Never say never, okay? Never say never. And so, uh, so, so, so he, he opens this womb with this post-menopausal woman, 99-year-old man. They have a son who's a child of promise, and here's God's promise being fulfilled. And so what was the sign of that covenant? Circumcision. Why? Now that you under, begin to understand a little bit about the, God said, it's all me. It's not you. This is a 99-year-old man. He can't have children. This is a post-menopausal woman. She can't have children. She's 90. It's all me. And here's a sign of the covenant that you can remember of grace is circumcision because every time a man and a husband and wife were intimate in Israel and every time they circumcised their eight day old baby, just as Jesus was circumcised when he was eight days old, every time they were intimate, every time they circumcised their eight day old baby boy, they would remember that our race exists because of the grace of God. It exists because of the grace of God. We remember that. So it was important. It was important that every male baby in Israel was circumcised on the eighth day to remember the reason we exist as a race. The reason we exist is because of the grace of God. He created this. It was all God. Thank you, God. That's what the sign was about. But for whatever reason, 
for whatever reason, and I really don't know, we really don't, for whatever reason, it was neglected for 40 years. They did not circumcise a single boy for 40 years in the wilderness. And so uh, God told Joshua, before you go into battle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make flint knives and I want you to, to reinstate, I want you to, to perform this sign that's been neglected for 40 years. Why? Because I want Israel to remember that this battle is mine. I want, Israel, I want you to go in. And right now you're full of confidence, Joshua. Right now, all these men warriors, oh, they're full of confidence. They know that they're quaking in Jericho and man, they're full of confidence, but make no mistake about it. You know, if you ever played a sport, man, when I played football, that you would get so fired up, man, you're gonna run out there and then first time you get hit in the mouth, all that sort of goes away. First time you go up and you face this Canaanite warrior, it's like, oh, 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 hold on. We might've stepped in something here, right? That we don't need to be in. And so I want them to know going in, that the battle's mine, that it's a spiritual battle and their success in battle is not gonna be because of their effort, their ability, their resources or their power. Their, their success in battle is going to be because they are obedient to the covenant demands. And so I want you to renew the covenant and I want you to make flint knives and circumcise every male in here uh, that, that, that's on, uh, in Israel. Now, listen, I want you to think about this. Now, you've got to know that You'd think there'd be a little pushback on this, right? I mean, when you're eight days old and you're circumcised, praise the Lord, God, you don't remember that, do you? I mean, if you were circumcised as a baby, I, you don't remember that, praise the Lord. But if you're a man, I'll promise you, you read, that's a red letter day in your life, right? You always gonna remember that. And so there was a lot of babies, but there was a lot of men. There's 2 million Israelites. There's hundreds of thousands of males, and they're, you think they're gonna be a pushback. It's like, hold on, I, I, I mean, I'm a grown man, Joshua, and a flint knife, that's gonna hurt. And that's gonna put me out of commission. And you know, I mean, we need to go to take battle. Let's do this later because man, right now we need to go to battle. You do this and I promise you, we ain't fighting for a while. I mean, somebody attacks us and I'm just like, kill me now, right? I mean, that's what I want anyway. And so, so they're like, you think there's gonna be some pushback, but they didn't push back, they leaned in. They didn't run, they obeyed. And folks, that's the secret sauce to their success and to their victory in taking land. They, they were obedient to the covenant demands that were placed upon them. They were obedient. Now, now think, I want you to think about this. And, and the Bible actually uh, tells us uh, and if you think the Bible's boring, it, it, I mean, it, if you study it, it's not boring. It's not just interesting, it's transformative because you're looking at this, think about this. Two million people, hundreds of thousands of males, eight days old to, to however old, not been circumcised. And uh, Joshua commands the priests, because that's who did the circumcisions, the priests. And, and just like when Jesus was born, eight days later, they took him to the temple and he was circumcised on the eighth day and, and, and all that. And so, so the, the priest, they took him to the priest, they had all these flint knives and they did these mass circumcisions. I mean, one after another for as long as it took to baptize, baptize, <laughs> circumcise hundreds of thousands of males. That's a lot of medical waste, isn't it? I mean, you could say they had some skin in the game here, right? Now, here's, <laughs> matter of fact, think about all these, think about this. You say, Pat, why are you pointing it out? Because the Bible does. 
they were, they were circumcised. The place they were circumcised was at Gibeath Haraloth. Literally, in the Hebrew, do you know what that, the, the, the title of this city means? This is in the Bible. Gibeath Haraloth means mountain of foreskins. Can you believe that? It's amazing. God's letting us in on something here, right? He's letting us in on, uh, I mean, man, how important it is to renew the covenant. And, and, and then after, after uh, uh, the, the circumcisions were complete, here's what Joshua, uh, God told Joshua. God told Joshua, today, because you have renewed the covenant, I have rolled away the reproach of your disobedience. And so the place became known as Gilgal, which means to roll away. So Gibeath Haraloth, told you what it means, now becomes Gilgal, which means to roll away because they renewed the covenant and there's mountains of evidence that they renewed the covenant. God has rolled away the reproach of their disobedience. So this became a very significant place because it was the place where God had rolled away the reproach of their disobedience. That's a significant place in your life. And if God has rolled away the reproach of your disobedience, folks, here's the point. There should be evidence of your renewal of your covenant or your entering into the covenant. There should be evidence in your life. There should be ample evidence that you have entered into covenant with the Lord. There should be this evidence and, 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 and the evidence should be strong and that's your Gilgal where God has rolled away the reproach of your disobedience. This is, this is just some really cool stuff that's going on right here. And then after, after they renewed, he said, I want you to remember the covenant. Before you, while they were still choking down pain meds, the men, he said, I want you to celebrate another sign. I want you to remember this covenant by celebrating another sign, Passover. And, 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 and so it says that on the 14th day of the month, they celebrated Passover, this would have been their very first Passover in the promised land, on that side of the river, in the land of promise. Very significant. And, and let, me, let me remind you what Passover, circumcision is a sign of grace. Passover is a sign of redemption uh, from grace, all right? And so let, let me remind you what Passover was. They're in Egypt, 400 years begging God to, to bring them out. They're beat down. Uh, they like, they're like the, the, the people in Jericho. They're beat down. They have no life. They have no spirit left within them. They're slaves and they're beaten down and, and no, no confidence, no, no self-worth. And they're crying out, God, bring us out. He sends in Moses to, and he tells Pharaoh, hey, let God's people go. Obviously, Pharaoh has got a free workforce here. This is his free labor force to build his cities. And so he's like, no, I'm not letting them go. And so God brings uh, the plagues and every plague was designed by God. It wasn't like there's this battle really going on. It's like, okay, round one, plague one, round two, plague two, round one goes to God. No, this is God setting up to show us who he is. The Bible actually says God hardened Pharaoh's heart so he wouldn't let the people go so that God could teach us and Egypt and Israel a whole lot about himself. And so, so uh, through nine plagues, nine hard plagues, Pharaoh said, no, even after nine hard plagues, Pharaoh, he, he was stubborn, hard-headed. No, I'm not letting them go. And so God said, I'm gonna lower the boom and this is it. I'm gonna take the firstborn. I'm gonna kill the firstborn in all the land. Now here's the problem. Israel lived in the land. The Jews lived in, inside of Goshen. They lived in Egypt, right? And so, so how are we going to, to, to uh, you know, make Israel peculiar? How are we gonna mark them out? 
How are they going to be set aside so that their firstborn's not taken? And God told Moses, tell all the Israelites to kill a lamb. One-year-old, spotless. One-year-old is the prime of a lamb's life. Spotless it symbolizes perfection. To kill that lamb and to consume it all and to take the blood where they slaughtered it and then paint their doorpost with it, man. Put it on your, your lentil, put it on your doorpost and then everyone in your house, when God comes through to take the firstborn and all the land, he will pass over, his wrath will pass over the homes that are marked by the blood of the lamb. Are you seeing that this is not just about saving Israel from Egypt? It, it is a, it's a foreshadow, a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel because that lamb represented the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, perfect, with spotless, without sin, one-year-old. Jesus was 33, prime of his life, and he's spotless, perfect, the lamb of God who was slain and his blood placed on our lives uh, will mark us and set us aside for God's wrath to pass over us. That's what it was representing. But, but in that day, it passed, oh, God's wrath passed over. All the Egyptian firstborn was killed. None whose blood of the lamb was on their doorpost was killed. They were all safe. The God's wrath passed over them, right? And what Pharaoh do? Go, get out. Pharaoh relented, let them go, Right? And that's when we picked up, they should have went on with their disobedience or Red Sea and all that kind of stuff. And so God had told them, you celebrate this Passover every year, Israel, so that you can remember what I did in Egypt. You can remember how you got out of Egypt. And you remember it wasn't you, it's all grace. You remember that. You remember, Israel, that you didn't rise up from within. You didn't pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps. Man, you didn't have enough men to say, hey, let's get together a, a, a secret, uh, uh, you know, a secret team here of, of Israeli seals and let's, let's infiltrate Pharaoh's house and his, his, his men. And man, let's just take him out from within and let's take our own self out. Let's rise up. Let's get a militia going. Man, let's, let, let's, let's start revolting. Let, let, they, no, you, they, they, they were beaten down slaves. They could do none of that stuff. It was all God. They just sat back and watched God. It was all God, right? And so he said, I want you to remember, celebrate this Passover every year. And every year, I want you to put some bitter herbs on there because I want you to remember your tears. I want you to put some, uh, some roasted uh, uh, lamb on there to remember that lamb. Drink some wine to remember. What was the wine going to symbolize? You're seeing how God's setting it up, uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. And so every year, he set up. Jews to this day still celebrate the Passover. They still celebrate it to remember. We don't celebrate it today as Christians. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that, the Jews still do this. Orthodox Jews who practice Judaism still celebrate the Passover today. Uh, and and uh, maybe you've been to a, a cedar meal or you've, you, you, you've, you've, you've seen this. It's very special. Uh, they still celebrate and remember how God brought them out of Egypt. But it wasn't just for them to remember how God brought them out of Egypt. It was also God brought them out, not to just, well, I'm bringing you out, Okay, great, man, go, go, go party and have fun in the desert. No, I'm bringing you out to take you in. I'm bringing you out. So it's not just looking back, it's looking forward. I brought you out of slavery because I've got an inheritance that I wanna give you. You're gonna have a lamb flowing of milk and honey. Remember that, I've already given it to you. So they remember now the very first day that they have, have crossed this river and they celebrate this to remember, God brought us out, but he brought us out to take us in and give us an inheritance. And here it is. God is faithful to his promise. He's faithful. He brought us out to take us in. Now, here's the amazing, amazing thing. 
For 40 years, they've wandered through the wilderness. They had nothing to eat. They had nothing. You know what God did? He provided manna. That, that was a jar of manna. If you'll remember, this jar of manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant, one of the three things, Aaron, the, the, uh, uh, Moses' brother, where the priestly line came from, his staff, uh, the Ten Commandments, the two, two t- stone tablets, and a jar of manna. This jar of manna God provided every day, every day in, in, in the wilderness. And he didn't, he didn't provide and tell them, hey, it's out there, go get as much as you can. I mean, load up the trunks of your cars, boys, load up, the, all the, load up everything and just store it away so you can have it. No, 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 God said, you only get enough for today. And people who got enough, who, who got more than today, it just molded and went bad, right? You get enough for today. Why? Because God wanted to remind them and trust them every day for his provision. Every day. Now, you you know what happened? This is what's amazing. They get across the river. They get into the promised land. They get into the promised land. They celebrate Passover the very next day. Guess what didn't happen that morning? It didn't rain down manna. Why? Because God provided them all the way into their inheritance. And now they get to enjoy the inheritance, the land flowing with milk and honey and the abundance of their inherited land. Listen, Christian. We live in a crazy, messed up world right now. And I know that all of you begin to think, I mean, man, where does this stuff stop? I've got, I've got five kids and, you know, I mean, two of them are married and three, three of them are teenagers. And, you know, I begin to think, are they ever going to be able to buy a house? I mean, right now I'm thinking, you know, I mean, gas prices going, inflation is higher than like ever than you can remember probably. And uh, I mean, uh, I I was sort of a teenager in the 80s and so I wasn't paying that much of attention to it, but it was huge in the 80s. It's massive now. You got, I got a diesel truck and I'm like, if you see me driving down the road looking like a, a circus clown in the car, I'm driving my daughter's car right now. You know, she turns 16 next month and she has her permit, but I mean, she's got a little Honda CRV and I'm gonna drive that thing for a while. Right, so I'm going down the road with flowers and stickers on the back of my car. It's my daughter's car. Okay, but I, but I, but I, but listen, I, I've got a diesel truck, and here's what I know. Imagine the profit margin for truckers right now, and man, they're the backbone that gets our stuff where it needs to be. You can imagine what they're going to have to do in order to get your milk to the grocery store, and you can imagine what the grocery store is going to have to do to get your milk into your home. Everything's going to go up, and before long, you start thinking, "Golly, I don't know. Can I drive? Can 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 I afford this? I mean, inflation's real." And and here's what I want you to know, Christian: You come down like, "Oh, our world is jacked up." Christian, here's what you need to know: God will provide your needs until He takes you into your inheritance. Now, he, He didn't say greeds. That's what sort of scares us, really. But God will provide your needs until he takes you into your inheritance for every believer. For, every, for his children, he will provide your needs. Now, we see this, and man, there are so many lessons. That was one for free. But here's what I worked up a few. There are so many lessons here. First off, and I want, to ask, I, want to, I want us to look at these lessons by simply asking a question. One, are you saved? Are you in the covenant? Are you a part of the covenant community? Really? Now, I didn't ask you if you bore the marks of the covenant. I asked, are you really a part of the covenant community? Why do I ask that? Because you can bear the marks of the covenant and not be a real covenant community member. Did you know that? Matter of fact, don't don't overlook what Joshua said, what God told Joshua in chapter five, verse five. He said, 
though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So what does that tell you? That tells you that all their parents had been circumcised, but they didn't circumcise their kids. That tells you that all the parents had the mark of the covenant, but they didn't live the covenant. It wasn't as important enough to them to pass it on to their kids for whatever reason, I don't know. Does that ring any bells? Does that sound like anything we see today maybe? Man, we, we had this, the church in America had this great, you know, I, I mean, growth time, you, should, you could say, for several years from really the 50s through the, through, through the uh, 90s and the church growth movement and all this kind of stuff. And all these people came into the church and man, and, and, and it's great, but here, here's, the, here's the downside about that. And I want you to understand that there was a lot of watering down of the gospel in those days. And it was with good intentions. I'm not, it was with great intentions because what we thought is we want as many people saved as possible. But let's, so let's, let's play out some things that might offend people and, and, and cause them to not necessarily, maybe it, it might offend them to where they say, I don't, so let's just make it easy, you know? And so the gospel was so watered down and see how these people, it says, man, I, I, yeah, I'm, God, I'm on God's team. I, God felt, uh, you know, God, God wanted me on his team and God saved me and I'm, I'm not going to hell. And then they just went out and, and, and there was no mountain of any kind of proof that they were a part of the, uh, of the covenant. There was no kind of mountain of proof anywhere. They bore the marks of the covenant, man, they were baptized. They joined the church. Those are some marks of the covenant. But these people bore the marks of the covenant, but they didn't pass it on to their kids, nor did they actually, was it as important enough to them to, to, to do that. So uh, what I'm asking you is, is you can be baptized, you can be a church member, you can bear the marks of the covenant, and you cannot really be a member of the covenant community. Did you know that? So I'm asking you today, are you truly saved? How do, I know, how do you know that? Well, I mean, is there any kind of evidence? Gilgal, there was a mountain of evidence that they had renewed their covenant. Is there any kind of evidence that you are a true believer in Jesus Christ? You're never gonna be perfect, believe me. We live in a fallen world. Uh, you're not going, you weren't saved because of your works. Uh, you know, you're not going to heaven because of your works. You're going to heaven because of the grace of God and your faith in him was ratified by the blood of Christ and the covenant. Uh, you're not gonna be perfect, but, but man, is there, is there a change in your heart? Is there any kind of evidence that you are a part of the covenant community. Are you truly saved? If not today, uh, we want you to enter into the covenant with Jesus Christ. It's a covenant of grace. It's based on his sacrifice, the lamb of God, who was slain because the price for sin is death. And you couldn't pay it because you're not perfect. No man could pay it. So God himself laid down his, the life of his son, perfect, spotless, who died, whose blood, who, who, who then blood applied to your life causes God's wrath to pass over you. That's, are, are you a part of the covenant? Today, would you believe in Jesus? Would you surrender to Jesus? Not like, okay, man, I'll, I'll pray a prayer, incantation, hocus pocus, Jesus save me, amen, and I'm saved. And I, No, 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 are you gonna surrender your life to Jesus? Would you do that today? We'll help you. You come down, you come back online, you text the word Jesus to the number on the screen at the end. Are you saved? Are you part of the covenant community? Here's the second thing, are you baptized? Now, wait a minute, baptize, baptize. Uh, you see, you know, today, we, the New Testament doesn't talk a lot about circumcision, 
other than Paul talking about how circumcision, uh, you know, really is good for nothing. And, and, in the, and, and you know, what happened in, in the New Testament was the Judaizers, those people who were Jews, they were teaching people who were saved by grace, uh, really the Gentiles uh, who weren't Jew that were saved by grace. Hey, if you really want to be right with God, you have to be circumcised. So they got it all confused, right? They began to add to, and they got confused that circumcision didn't make them a child of God. It was a sign that they were, right? And so Paul, he got so angry. He said, man, I wish you wouldn't stop with circumcision, just go ahead and, 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 and just mutilate yourself if, if you believe that because you're all wrong, right? He said, uh, and so, so Paul, he gets on. And so circumcision in the New Testament, uh, and so today the church, when it comes to circumcision, we're Switzerland, we're sort of circumcision neutral, right? I mean, here's the thing we don't do today. You don't, as Christians, bring your eight-day-old boy to the church for the pastor to take a flint knife and circumcise him, praise the Lord, all right? I mean, that'd be a job for some associates or something, right? We don't do that today. Why? Because the, the sign is has transitioned. What's the sign today? Baptism. That's the sign. It's baptism. That's a, so you, know, we, you saw us baptized today. We baptized first service. We baptized second service. We baptized some young high school men. I mean, incredible. I love it. Praise God we get to see that happen around here. And so we baptized these men, and here's what happened. Uh, that, that water did not wash away one single sin that they have, and they've got many, right? Uh, that water didn't baptize, uh, that, that, that didn't wash away any sin. That water, Jesus didn't uh, magically, when they come up out of the water, Jesus didn't just sprinkle some kind of dust on them that said, oh, man, you, you were baptized, you're a Christian. Uh, that, that's not what happened. That, that baptism was not what saved them. It was a sign, like circumcision was a sign that they're a part of the covenant family. They marked them out, set them aside as peculiar. That's what baptism is. It's a sign. And you see, when we take somebody underwater and we bring them out of the water, well, what is baptism? Well, we immerse for a couple of reasons. One, I never really understood sprinkling because it's a symbol. And no matter how you look at it, I don't want to be sprinkled with Jesus. I want to be completely immersed in Jesus. I want all of Jesus. I don't want just a little bit of sprinkling of Jesus. Okay? That's one. Now, two, uh, it's simply, we do it because that's what the Bible says to do is to immerse. It's just simply what the Bible says to do. It says to immerse them. That's what the word means, baptism, immerse, okay? That's why we immerse. And so, so when we immerse somebody, we take them under and they come up. And, and so we take them under and it's a symbol. What's it a symbol of? Death, burial. They come up, it's a symbol, a symbol of resurrection. So it's a symbol of, of who? Number one, Jesus he died. He was put in the tomb for three days. He came out of the tomb, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. But it's also the symbol of your death, burial, resurrection. See, there's this old man and he died with these boys and he was went under the water and he came back up with Jesus Christ, resurrection. We were buried with Christ in baptism and we were raised to walk in newness of life. That's what it's a symbol of. And it's a, it marks you. It marks you before the cut. That's why it's important to do it. You don't do it by yourself, you know, unless, man, you're the only one left on this world and, man, you're on a desert island and all of a sudden Jesus says, you know, it's like, okay. I, you know, it's, it's a covenant community thing. You, are, you come on stage and you're baptized. At, 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 you're showing the community, I'm marked by God's grace. 
I'm on his team. I'm set aside to be used for his kingdom. You see, God didn't save you just to get you out of hell. That's a great byproduct, and, and, and that's a reality. But he saved you and set you aside to be holy and live for him. And baptism sort of marks you as I'm, I'm, I'm a part of that covenant community. So are you baptized? Because listen, there's, there would be no such thing in Paul's theology, in the gospels, uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in Peter, and any writer of the New Testament, there would be no such thing as a Christian who has not been baptized. There would be no such thing, right? There would be no such thing because that is a mark that symbolizes, it sets you aside, marks you as a part of the covenant community. So are you baptized? If not, here's what I want you to do. If you're a believer and you say, I'm a believer, but I've not been baptized, uh, you know, maybe there's, I would walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. He commanded that we're baptized. I I would tell you, get online today, go on our website, look, you know, search baptism. It'll tell you all about it on our website. You can find it. Call us, man, register to get baptized. Let me tell you, on Easter Sunday would be awesome. Resurrection day. What a huge, amazing celebration. Are you baptized? Are you saved? Are you baptized? The third thing I would ask you is, are you uh, sanctified? You know what sanctified means? Sanctified uh, would mean, it, it just simply is, that's just a, a cool, a big, big, you know, $4 word that means looking like Jesus, growing to become like Jesus, spiritually maturing. However you want to say it, that's what sanctified, right? You're justified in a moment. The moment you surrender your life to Jesus, you're justified. There is now no justification for those who are in Jesus Christ, right? So whatever, whatever the enemy's trying to condemn you about for your past, it's forgiven. There's no, there is now, uh, 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 you know, you are justified. Sanctification takes a lifetime. It takes a lot because sometimes I look like Jesus and I'm, I'm really looking more like Jesus. And then, man, then I go through a period where, man, it's like I threw mud all over that, that image that I'm painting of Jesus, Right? I mean, and so, so are you sanctified? Are you becoming more like Jesus? You see, these, the, the people that came out, they had the marks of the covenant, but they did nothing in their life to, to look like God. They obviously uh, wandered in the wilderness because God said, you ain't getting in. You ain't getting in the inheritance because you don't trust me, you don't obey me, you do your own thing. Here, they didn't even, they didn't even, uh, didn't even think highly enough uh, of the sign of the covenant to circumcise their kids. Are you sanctified? Are you looking more like Jesus? Are you becoming more like Jesus? And hey, is there evidence somewhere? Is there the beginning of a molehill of evidence that one day will be a mountain of evidence that you are sanctified, that you are a part of the covenant community, that you're becoming like Jesus? Three important questions I think we can learn from this. Three important questions. Look, uh, they neglected to pass it on to their kids Here's another one for free. God's gonna do what he's gonna do with or without you, without me. God doesn't depend on me and you, right? I mean, God set them aside. He called them and, and, and they're like, oh, they're disobedient. Oh, Lord, you know, it's like God said, oh, what am I gonna do now? I gotta, no, listen, God's gonna move on from you and he'll use somebody else. That's exactly what he did with these Israelites. Man, he, you're gonna die off. I'm gonna use your kids. Praise God, he used their kids. Right, but here's what we see in our church, churches today: is parents aren't teaching their kids the things of God, and then their kids, when their parents walk as cultural Christians, listen, your kids are going to be atheists. They're going to be agnostic. They're not going to walk with the Lord. 
not less God and his miraculous hand can do whatever he wants, reaches down and saves them. And that's how we're saved anyway. And, and, and so I, I would say, man, let's not be like that generation. Let's not be like that generation that God moves on from. Let's pour into our kids and let's, let's begin to look and live like Jesus so we can take much land for his kingdom because God knows our world is in deep trouble today. We, we have the answer, the real answer, not the narrative. We have the real answer. It's Jesus Christ. Church, we need to take land. And what's it gonna be? It's gonna be people who are saved, who are sanctified, people who are running hard after the heart of the Lord. Not perfect, because you're not gonna be. I don't wanna set that standard for you, but people who are running after the Lord are you. Now, what we're gonna do right now is uh, you should have received one of these when you came in. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, uh, participate in what we call communion. I said that uh, circumcision, we no longer circumcise. Baptism is now the sign. Well, we also no longer celebrate Passover as Christians. The Jews do. We don't. Why? Because Jesus transformed that Passover. He was eating that Passover meal and he transformed it into the Lord's Supper or what we call communion. And he told us to always remember his death, burial, and resurrection. He transformed it to what we call communion, right? And so today, communion is that sign that reminds us that God redeemed us from sin and but not just to, 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 you know, redeemed us from sin, but to take us into the inheritance. So it's for believers. It's for those who are Christian. If you're not, a, if, if you came in and you're a believer and you did not get one of these and, and you would like to celebrate communion with us, raise your hand. We got people walking the aisles that will bring one to you, okay? As I'm explaining this, they'll bring one to you. And so, uh, so what Jesus did on the night that he was uh, uh, arrested, he was celebrating, guess what, with his disciples? Passover. He was a good Jew. He celebrated, uh, uh, he, he, he celebrated the signs. He, he, he celebrated the feasts, the festivals, because they all meant something spiritually significant. And he was celebrating Passover. And he said, hey, guys, they didn't know. I'm, I'm gonna, from now on, you're not going to eat Passover anymore. From now on, you're going to eat communion or the Lord's Supper. And he picked up a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Take it neat. He picked up a glass of wine and he, and he said, passed it around. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. They were like, what in the world? You gotta understand, what in the world is he talking about? I don't know. And we know today. He, he, would, he would die the very next day. He would be murdered, not just die, but brutally attacked, brutally beaten, blood everywhere, body broken. The wrath of God poured out on him instead of on, upon those who believe in him. And so he set this up so that we'd always remember the covenant of grace. We'd always remember how we were pulled out of sin, saved, redeemed, so that we'd always remember and renew. The church has been doing this ever since. Jesus come out of the grave, went back to heaven. The church was born. But here's what happened in Corinth. We know that they, were, they started doing it, man. They'd pass that wine around, but uh, they wouldn't even wait for people. They didn't do it as a covenant community. They was getting drunk off the wine. Right, I mean, they wasn't even waiting for people to celebrate. They were just gorging themselves and, and gorging out on the food selfishly. And they made a mockery of it. And Paul got all over them in 1 Corinthians. He said, that's why some of you are even sick and dying because you are taking this flippantly. And he said, don't do that. He said, listen, examine yourself, examine yourself. And so we, we, we want you to do that as we do this because it is a sign of the covenant. We've celebrated baptism. Now we're gonna celebrate communion. And as we celebrate communion, here's what I want the church to do. I want you to remember 
If you're a believer, God brought you out. Thank him for that. Also, look forward to, he brought you out to take you in. Let that motivate you. And, and, and during this time, examine and see, you know, is there anything in my life I need to confess to him? Because I want to renew this covenant. I want to renew it. Confess your sin. And then uh, uh, during this song, what I want you to do is we're going to sing a brand new song. Uh, Travis and I think Travis and Jordan uh, Merritt and, and uh, some, someone else, I don't know who all, wrote this song. So you won't know this song. I think they just wrote it this week. Is that right? They just wrote it this week. So it's, it's I mean, it's, it's just hot, okay, off the press. You, you, won't, even, you won't know it. I, that's okay. I don't, I don't care if you sing it. I, I listen to it in rehearsal. It's a beautiful song. What I want you to do is I, I want them to sing it over you. I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect. I want you to examine yourself. I, I want you to, man, spend some time in prayer. If you're a believer, thank God for his, his, his sacrifice. Thank God for his covenant. Thank you that he saved you by grace. God, I'm not worthy. When I, sometimes when I'm in my quiet time and I just begin to think about how I'm so unworthy, but God, you saved me. I'm overwhelmed with emotion because God, it's all you. Thank you, God. Thank you. It motivates me, right? And so I think about that. And, and then uh, when you come time to 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 um, take the partake communion. You take the bread portion. There's a bread on one end. There's juice on the other. It's juice. Take the bread off. Thank God for sending His Son and for Jesus' broken body. And take and eat and remember that. And then you take the the juice part and thank God for the blood of His Son that was spilled to ratify the covenant. And thank God and then for the forgiveness of sins. And then drink that and remember. Remember. Now we're going to have some staff down here at the front during this time. You know what, I, we, we have them down here because we want you to, we, we love our church. We wanna pray for our church. Some of you have deep needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs. We wanna pray for you. We wanna pray for you. We wanna know what those are. You can come down. Some of you have child needs. I mean, you, you've got kids that are run amok. Your marriage is in trouble. Man, you got financial needs. You got a health issue. I mean, you're just stressed about something. You gotta relax. Whatever it is, we wanna pray for you. Come, let, our, let some of our staff, our elders, our pastors begin to pray for you. You don't need them, though. You don't need a high priest because Jesus is your high priest. You can come and go straight to him and do that. Some of you are not saved. Today's message, some of you may say, you know, I got baptized, but I really didn't get saved. Come down today and say, I, I want to be saved. Maybe you wasn't baptized. I want to be saved. Come down and talk to, to, to one of our pastors, would you? So as they sing, I want you to reflect. I want you to remember, take communion when you're ready. Come down when you're ready. You do what God's called you to do, okay? I want to pray, and then when I pray, they'll sing. I want you to, let's all stand together if we can right now. And, uh, uh, and when we stand, I'm going to pray. They're going to sing this over you. You spend this time listening, reading, praying, examining, repenting, confessing, responding. That there would be a mountain of evidence in your life that Jesus Christ has saved you. Father, we love you. Thank you for, God, even in circumcision, Lord, and, and talking about something like circumcision, it's amazing to me the spiritual significance and that you can save souls even when we talk about circumcision, when we understand what it really is and what it really was, I mean, Lord. I pray that you would do that today. I pray for every Christian in this room. I pray that, God, you would do something within their heart as they remember your covenant and how you ratified it with your blood, how you were beaten and bruised. And, Lord, I pray that today you would help us not just to remember that you pulled us out, but that you pulled us out to take us home, to take the land, and that you would literally motivate our hearts to run hard after you. 
God, I pray for every Christian and every person in this room who is weighed down with burdens. God, there are spiritual burdens, there's emotional burdens, there's physical burdens, there's family burdens, there's relational burdens, there's work burdens, financial burdens. God, I, I pray that today they would, they would today our church, our whole world is a burden right now. And God, I pray that today our church would remember who's in control as we renew our covenant, that our trust in you would be off the charts, that we would see you do great things in us so that you can do great things through us. Right now, move, save souls, Jesus. Whether it's online, help people to text the word Jesus uh, to the number on the screen so that they can be saved. Whether it's in the house, help people to come down, save souls, renew souls today. Renew, lift heavy burdens because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Help people to begin to see you and your covenant of grace and fall into it and rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, amen. As they sing, uh, some of our staff will be down. You come down when you're ready. You partake of communion. You do what God leads you to do at this time.